who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hello, and welcome to the League of Ultimate Questions. Uh, nobody asked, and we heard it. So now we're making a question, a question and answer for uh, League of Ultimate Questing. We hear lots of things no one says. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that being said, we've uh, we've got like a uh, a whole slew of questions that we're going to answer. We're going to try and get to all of them, and we've also got some questions we're going to ask each other. For those of you who have listened to the show before, we're going to be doing a recap at the end of the episode. We'll go ahead and signal you ahead of time. For those of you who haven't listened, and this is your first time, we're going to be doing the full recap in as much detail as we can. Feel free to stop listening at any point if you're worried about spoilers. And we'll try to avoid spoilers where possible in this experience, but the goal of this is to uh, kind of give people who have been longtime listeners a little bit more information, and people who don't really have the energy to go through the first 20 or so episodes and watch us go through our, our, our genesis, uh, yeah, an opportunity to kind of catch up. Uh, but we're going to lead off with a bit of an introduction. I am Zach Barkas. I play Artyom Volkov. I am a drow, <laughs> I am a drow cleric of sunlight, uh, specifically of the sun god Bren, a god of suffering and sunlight. Raised in Drogondrav, a underground drow enclave mm -hmm. and uh, from there I've basically found my way to the surface through extreme struggle and now I've joined the League of Ultimate Questing to spread the word of my god and uh, to make a little money on the side oh yeah I feel intimidated by that intro damn uh, <laughs> uh, my name's Alante Bearcat uh, and I play Christ I am the crystalline sorcerer a very awesome custom uh, thing that our amazing DM made for me uh, he is from Alcara and yeah <laughs> My name is Michael Loving. I play Horuthax, a dragonborn warlock of the firstborn, a dragon-like uh, sort of demigod entity uh, created by law for this campaign and this world setting. I am from a swamp in the... what what continent is it? Or Danmere. Danmere, in mm -hmm. Danmere. And I'm Sam Frost. I am a... Uh, I'm playing Arvid... The uh, fur ball Drew Bard. <laughs> Are you sure that's what they're called? That's Drew Bard? really hard. I'm pretty sure we have a different name for Drew Bard. Drew Barb. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barbarymore. <laughs> wait, wait. Drew, Drew Barbarymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that's... like that was like one of my favorite gags from the outro, specifically <laughs> when you were like, when we were like Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, fur ball Drew Barb. Um, 
I uh, came from a, a tribe in the hills called the Sons of the Blood Moon. I was rejected from my tribe and have come to the League of Ultimate Questing to try to find myself again in a tribe of my own. Um, recently have attached to the uh, to the ram. I uh, was able to change into one recently. It was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't think this is a spoiler. If you want to keep going in Barbarian, as I assume, I have built a ram totem that you can totally reference. I'm so excited. I thought you said you were stoned, and I'm like, okay, (laughs) jealous. That's me. And my name is Law. I am the Dungeon Master. Uh, We're playing in a world that I've been building since I was just a wee lad. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Started Dungeon Mastering. Is that a... Is that thing? Past tense. Uh, since, since I was a nine nine year old lad, um, love D anD D, love all the editions, and I'm super happy to get to make up this really weird story with these great players to tell their own tales along the way and kind of craft this bizarre uh, enterprise thing that hopefully in the future many of us can partake in. I like the idea that it's uh, mastering dungeons. Mm. Uh, my, my favorite, I almost had a business card that said Dungeon Maven. Ooh. Ooh. I was going to say Dungeon Mustering might be too much. I am the Dungeon Mustard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a chef, so Dungeon Mustard. Oh, yeah. man, that should be a thing. Should it? Are we sure that should be a thing? I don't want Dungeon Mustard. I have seen many parties. So many parties have been stone ground. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awful. That's... Um, Thank you for that. Rocks fall. Everyone's delicious. <laughs> Dungeon mustard sits on the shelf right next to the ochre jelly. Uh, Bad. Gross. Uh, if you like good jokes, this isn't the podcast for yeah, you. I'm sorry. You've come, to, you've come to the wrong place. This is the one episode I'm allowed to make stupid jokes like that. So I'm, I will be taking it. doesn't full. stop you fucking ever. <laughs> yeah, but Zach cuts them. And they're still uh, yes. yes. <laughs> the cutting room floor is strewn with the, with the, with the withered husks of Michael's jokes. Michael's yeah. zingers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little Debbie factory with all those zingers on the floor. So this is our very first uh, League of Ultimate Questions, a.k.a. LUQ&A. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to just start interacting with the fans more and getting to actually answer your questions because it's a pretty weird game of D&D. And questions do come up about how we do things here. Uh, we've gotten many. And I assume we can just start by going into some. Yeah, let's 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 launch. I've got some right in front of me. Uh, we got a fantastic email back in April uh, from a devoted fan in Canada named Alan Reynolds. It's and such a good email. This is a fucking thorough synopsis of their fandom and great questions. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, I see pictures of the minis and grid that someone likely law posts on Facebook. I'm assuming this means that you are all in the same room. From the advertising and such, I'm assuming you're in Seattle? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's pretty close. close. It's pretty close. I yeah, mean, Portland sh- is basically the epiglottis of you know, Seattle. Once I, I was <laughs> oh, the epiglottis. That was way too descriptive. Those are way worse <laughs> dangling appendages <laughs> I could pick. Nope, I'm out. Nope. Um, I mean, if you thought that was too much, just wait till you listen to the Cult of the Ma episode. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, does everyone know each other? My efforts to create a show has met with some pushback simply because most people who play D and D local are not entertainers uh, they are gamers and notoriously gamers will want to argue about rules <laughs> no. uh, if it's an option which is not entertaining to an audience at all 
hear that? <laughs> um, so I've been... <laughs> Did you glance at me when you I said didn't. that? <laughs> he, gl- he might have glanced. I stared pointedly. <laughs> I looked through the veil at every listener out there. Um, so I've been inviting friends that don't have a ton of role-playing experience, but are theater actors uh, for their day jobs. So their ability to improv and go with it has been much better. So yeah, I guess my first question is, how did you choose your cast and how well do you all know each other? It's an excellent question. We did actually have an audition process, but it was mostly from friends of friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, We didn't like put it on Craigslist or anything. (laughs) Um, It was just kind of a call to action to be like, hey, does anyone know people who have, uh, you know, uh, quick wit, uh, D&D experience and are interested in being part of an entertainment project? And we gosh addition to almost 10 people think, yeah it wasn't like, a ton but I, it was a fair bit i think it was like eight or nine um and we picked the cast we have i mean honestly most of them would have been pretty great um but there was just a really good chemistry with this group some yeah. of us know each other through friends some of us know each other for uh, i think in particular uh, zach and sam have a very long yes. history of friendship yeah. uh, sam and i have been friends since we were 14 in Playing high school D D in the lunchroom in fact sam what? was my first gm Sam was the first oh. person to run any tabletop game for me. That's right. I learned that in our last uh, D20 questions. Uh-huh. Um, and me and Michael worked together with Orcs, Orcs, Orcs as some of the DMs that... Sam was going to say something. I'm going to add that in. I didn't... Awesome. Uh, I, I, I was just going to be like, yeah, your first is always your best or something. It was, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just a thing. <laughs> Once you go Sam... <laughs> you can't go Bam. 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 You can't go Bam. <laughs> I, no? Okay. Yeah. Ram, Ram, Ram fits. Yeah. First is always your best, Samantha. Too 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 relevant. <laughs> when it comes to DMing, that is definitely not true. Oh no. Some of, no, 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 some no, of no, my no. early DMs are well, dear friends of mine were children. Yeah. And run as well as children do. Um but yeah, me and Michael know each other. We are colleagues in Orcs Orcs Orcs, both professional DMs at a pop up restaurant thing that sells tickets and does a whole bunch of D D. That's how we met. Um, and me and Zach have known each other for about a decade or so, maybe more through when we were both performers in the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Clinton Street Theater. Wow. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's that has been like pushing on 10 years. Because it's been cool. like four years but since we've I was only, even in the But cast. we've only actually been friends for like two years. Totally, no, we haven't actually like we were around each other and talked words in each other's direction frequently, but no. we weren't we weren't like buds. Um, but it worked out that we wanted to both start. A creative project at the same time but now alante was our one audition that, that the first thing we had in our little side by side walk about um was he's the one yeah alante is a pick he so just had so much charisma that he brought yeah we actually met alante through chris josie who did some editing for us and who has helped us out a lot on the side thank you chris um excuse me thanks chris motherfucking josie um that's his full name it is um, and then it was, it was probably like the best like suggestion he could have given us because like immediately we were like okay this is perfect yeah i got uh i rode alante's coattails onto the show because we, aud- <laughs> we auditioned the same night so it's true but what i will say is i had a lot of fun during the audition and actually for me the best part was before the audition even start when we all just kind of like hung out had a beer and just like talked we did you know? do that we yeah. had some brewskis at a bar that was like a big that was actually one of the first things that we figured out that we liked somebody is when they were really fo- social and friendly and had good jokes and stuff like that and that was actually where all of you stood out is mm-hmm. when you showed up we had drinks it was all just really fun and you guys were really interesting yeah, i personally like- judged what each of you ordered and how much you drank <laughs> <laughs> they liked my jokes at the Uh-oh. bar but when i make them on the show they leave them on the cutting floor. <laughs> 
Order. Sam, all, all Sam ordered was a Jaeger nuke, which is basically where you take a, a can of Red Bull, pull it and pour it into a bottle of Jaeger, and then just down the whole thing. The so, whole thing. <laughs> oh my god, I don't even remember I don't, what I. Had. I feel like that would greatly upset my stomach. I don't think I could do, drink you, that. do you feel like medicine. it might? Come yeah, on. <laughs> it's basically it's just Nyquil. Jaeger is medicine. It is though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fun fact: Nyquil is just Jaeger with dextromethorphan <laughs> in it. That's it, and no one has ever gotten sick from drinking a whole bottle of Nyquil. <laughs> nope. 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 Cool. But yeah, that's how we know each other. And uh, we are, in fact, in Portland, Oregon and not Seattle. Um, but they are, like I said, very close. Um, being that you're from Canada, that's a pretty solid guess. <laughs> given, given the incredible <laughs> racial handicap of being from Canada. <laughs> wow. Oh do we, we have more questions. Uh, we do. From um, this person. So we will space them up because, boy, did they send us a rich bouquet. Yeah, totally. Uh, so it sounds like Zach has some questions. I do. Um, like a juicy. I've actually gotten this a few times, but specifically, uh, Tori uh, asks, uh, do we have any plans to interact with other teams? Uh, she's curious about them since uh, early on we mentioned uh, things about that. Well, I guess I'll have to saddle that one as the dungeon master. Mm -hmm. um, so our goal is uh, once we finish telling this current story um, with the Mortal Dawn and the League of Ultimate Questing and how they're involved with it, we definitely want to possibly have a new team come on and be the next section of the show uh, we also want to start having guest characters uh, one-time appearances from friends family whatever people who are in the local gaming industry and want to have some presence with our show um, and of course the story as the team becomes more known in my mind will definitely have more narrative involving other teams in the world um, the other teams will become much more fleshed out it's just right now despite the fact that they're doing big amazing things they're still kind of nobodies in the spectrum of the luq because they're still novice ranked but despite yes. how much uh, play we get from Kip and Storm. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> while interesting things happen, interesting things happen and they become topics of the news. They are still just a novice ranked team. And of course, they have to be super interesting in some way because they are the subjects of the story. Um, but yes, the other teams will be coming up. Definitely. There will be more LUQ teams. Maybe someday we can have some kind of system where people out in the world can have their own teams and have their own rankings and things like that. That'd be a lot of fun. I don't see anything wrong with that in the slightest. I just have to say that so far my favorite team i've heard of is that like metal rock all-girl rock band the gas thrash Slash, bash. Gash, thrash bash yes yes yeah. and it's different every time yes, yes it's, it's set in a different yes. order almost every time <laughs> and honestly i what i'm hoping is like i really hope that we do like a scott pilgrim style battle with them one day mm -hmm. like that's that that's my dream bang. that's my personal team? dream yeah, they're they're not a wait they're not LUQ oh. team. They're just a really famous. No, I mean we should still you, battle them. Anyway. Do you even think that they have enough time to be a fucking metal band and a LUQ team? Come on, look. I mean, to look, be fair, look. Draxton's Death Machine sounds like a band. Exactly. So yeah, that, yeah. It, it really, really does. does. A lot of the other team names would be really cool, like post metal bands or like prog rock. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, we're still young, but expansion is definitely on the horizon. My name is Talkadar. I'm the party barbarian. We've been adventuring for a long time, and sometimes I can't keep my rage up as long as I used to. I was diagnosed with a rage tile dysfunction. It affects two out of five barbarians my age. That's when I discovered Viagra. Longer, more satisfying rages for me and my opponent. I'm always ready when my friends need me to bring the fury. Ask your party cleric if Viagra is right for you. Contact an apothecary for any rages lasting more than four hours. We keep you raging hard on the battlefield. Viagra. 
My anger will not be silenced. This is another delicious question from Alan Reynolds. Uh, his question is set up. Most groups I know video stream on Twitch. Uh, then the person editing just lifts the audio track from the stream, drops it into Avid or whatever your editing program is, and then puts it up on a podcast service. I'm an audio guy, and I really, really appreciate the OUQ as an audio-only experience. Maybe it's because I'm on a lot of night shifts and have earbuds in my ears a lot, or because I've been playing D&D for so long, but I much prefer to close close my eyes and allow my mind, my mind's eye to sketch what you are all describing, rather than watch a stream of people describe what their characters are doing. So my question is, what does your setup look like? Does everyone have a clip mic? Or is there a central mic in the middle of a table? Is your room designed for audio work? Or do you specifically choose a place with good acoustics? Would you mind sending me a picture of how the gaming area looks while recording so people might be able to learn from your setup? My technical skills are limited, but one of my enthusiastic players is doing a theater tech degree and likely has access to gear we could use, if we could figure out a setup. I guess going hand in hand with that is why you chose for a pure audio only experience. What's easier for you guys due to technical, uh, was it easier for you guys due to technical know-how? Are people more comfortable role-playing without a camera on them? Which is totally valid. Well, I'm definitely going to drop that question off in Zach's lap because he is the, <laughs> the arbiter of our techno goodies. Yeah. Um, so first thing I want to say more than anything else, do not think that you are limited by your tech. Um, I mean, just I mean, my brother, my brother and me started on freaking rock band mics. Uh, the only reason I decided to get equipment first is because I value audio quality rather immensely. And so I shelled out quite a bit to try and get my setup right. He's a little obsessive. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. And to be fair, it is it does feel a little daunting to try and break into a new industry when you've got like just the worst equipment ever. And you're like, unless you have the most original and beautiful idea ever, then you want to make up for it with quality and, and, and good content. So um, that being said, we actually started with a Tascam uh, uh, 70D uh, for our recording uh, device itself. And then we have a bunch of MXL 770s, which we're still using for the mics. Mm -hmm. um, however, I had this real big problem because the Tascam only had four lines and we needed at least five in order to have a decent D&D game. So I ended up buying a mixer. Uh, erroneously, by the way, because uh, I didn't realize that a mixer would mix it all down to a single track. Yes. <laughs> so there's a good period there where where we couldn't like I couldn't like control people's audio levels specifically. I could only do them on the fly, like while recording, <laughs> which seriously hindered my abilities. So I ended up having to buy yet another device. But this beautiful beast, this most gorgeous creature, uh, the Digital Porta Studio. Uh, I realize Porta anything automatically conjures images of taking a shit, but that's not what's happening here. Um, <clears throat> this doesn't take the shit on the audio. Uh, anyway, um, it's a... <laughs> it's a D... <laughs> it's a D... <laughs> Sorry. It's a DP, not double penetration. Um, <laughs> it's a DP... <laughs> It's a DP24SD Tascam. This is a portable studio all on its own. It has uh, eight discrete tracks, um, Phantom for all of them. It has uh, discrete uh, volume and and like equalizer controls, lots of knobs and buttons. It's got lots of it's got lots of knobs, things like that. If you don't like touch screens or you don't want to have to like try to like fiddle your way through this like imp impenetrable digital like environment, uh, I absolutely love this device. It was also ridiculously expensive. Uh, A little bit. All of this was ridiculously expensive, and if you can't afford 
support it, just get whatever you can because yeah. it's ju- it's just not worth it to put off creating good content. Definitely. And so, other than that, it's like there's a headphone amplifier because we all need to monitor ourselves and that's mm-hmm. like used from eBay. So there's a mixture of brand new gear and some used stuff. Just so, get what you get your hands on. Exactly. Yeah. And, and honestly, and if, if you want a better idea of what this is without all the technical uh, Guga, uh, basically there are five table mics. Uh, Law has a scissor stand and then the rest of it's just simple cardioid condenser, you know, standing mics i just love to get scissored <clears throat> he does um, wow. we actually uh we don't do lavaliers because uh, lavaliers have a lot of annoying problems little clip mics that you attach to your clothes mm-hmm. um and there's just no way to do that without spending a huge amount of money yeah yeah those are great for like stage stuff but for what we're doing we sit pretty still and it's good <clears throat> also from tori on a spectrum from role playing to role playing i love the jack off motion <laughs> yeah you're welcome <laughs> Um, how, how would you rate this podcast? I feel like this one's for the players. And more importantly, how do you, what do you prefer in a given game? Ooh. So we'll start with Sam. Yeah, it both is my preference and is my experience in this game that the role playing, um, the <laughs> Thank drama. You. That's I'm good. I'm trying to put it in my voice. I yeah. don't know. Anyway. Well, it came across. <laughs> it was very preferable, good. Preferable. Preferable. Uh, and what we're seeing. Yeah, we we get to do a lot of interactions with the uh, with the characters. We have whole sessions that tend to be more about the um, you know looking at the world and the people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have you know session here and there that's just like <laughs> just battling. Um, what was it? Didn't we have one where it was almost two episodes in a row or something? Was it just a full episode? Anyway, we get to do a lot of role playing. That's the important part. <laughs> uh, for for me. Um... I, I prefer role play as a player, but also because I've been DMing for about 10 or 15 years. I don't even know at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the rules pretty well. And when I listen to podcasts and somebody botches a rule, I always notice. So I I try and clarify rules when possible. Yeah, and the best part is cutting all that out. Right, yeah. That's, but that makes Zach, really happy. Yeah, but it's Law's, it's Law's game and Law's world, and if Law doesn't care, that's totally fine. Zach prefers to have one authoritative voice on the rules being Law, the actual dungeon master of this game. So I, I try to only do it if it's like a really big deal um, or if it would be like advantageous for us to be like, yeah, this is going to kill us if we don't do this. So but but I prefer role play from a playing standpoint, just because honestly, it's more fun than arguing over rules the whole time. You're just a crunch addict. A, yeah. l- a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, okay. I think we have a, a really good balance. One of my favorite things is whenever skill challenges come up, you like can audibly hear me sometimes, like get really excited. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things because to me, it's like that direct middle ground, uh, and especially for me, uh, you know, role playing. It, I'm still getting used to it and still getting comfortable, uh, but I really also like the technical stuff that the actual rolling of the dice is. Uh, it's almost like like battles feel like figuring out puzzles to me. So mm-hmm. I like it. One second, sorry. Mm-hmm. I just realized I wasn't supposed to use her last name, so I'm probably going to cut that out. Mm. Uh, as for me, I would say I tend to prefer, uh, not just prefer, I will have entire, like, several game sessions in a row in my own GM games where it's just role-playing. Like, I will I will go, like, four sessions before a fight even occurs. So I, I'm, I'm, fine with, I, I'm fine with endless role-playing. But that being said, I feel like we've got a really good balance going on here. Uh, I wish that I spent more time, like playing my character rather than driving the story that's the only thing i see that i'd like to see more of is like i feel like we do a great job of role playing to drive the plot forward but not a whole lot of role playing to role playing 
Mm-hmm. I want that mm-hmm. sweet, sweet drama. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I'm all theater of the mind, man. Like if I if a rule doesn't if a rule doesn't fit the world I'm doing, I don't give a shit. You can just throw that shit in the garbage. It's meaningless. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It's here to have fun. And I'm, I, I always feel like that's totally fine, but I want the DM to clarify that that's what they're doing so that I'm, when I'm listening, I'm not like, but, 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 and I go, oh, okay. They're through that out. That's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, when you're a kid, you know, and you're like, um, my, my force field stops that. And then the whole argument that you, you need the rules to stop that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The double dare times infinity. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I my favorite part for the storytelling aspect, because I think all of us at heart are more story-driven, but we're also telling a story which involves characters accomplishing physical tasks um, and achieving ranks in questing, which involves them having to go and do fights and solve puzzles and things. Um, and plus, you guys are listening to a 5e podcast. You're going to be hearing the 5e mechanics. I usually have a pretty good grasp on the rules of what's going on, other than like what saving throw a certain person has to make. But... Uh, Usually it moves pretty smoothly. Again, there's kind of like one episode here and there peppered in that's all fighting. Uh, But we try to have some pretty fun, exciting battles. And my favorite thing is to improvise a brand new NPC that everyone's going to fucking fall in love with. Because I rarely plan character, uh, like how they act as far as NPCs. I just kind of pull something right out of my ass. Um, Because I don't know who these guys are going to try to talk to, who they're going to go for, or what kind of questions they're going to ask. So characters like Philip and Regis, uh, totally just on the fly. What are they going to sound like? I don't know. And once I say their first sentence, I know exactly what kind of person they are. (laughs) With one exception. Uh, And that was only because we were like, I'm not doing that accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There was one where I I thought it was, it wasn't an accent that I should do. So I immediately backpedaled into kind of an Irish, which is fine. (laughs) I actually really love, it's like one of my favorite moments is just like the audible, like, oh, never mind. (laughs) And it's an accent I can do, but I in no way want to be like insensitive or sound like I'm trying to imitate something that I simply appreciate as a storytelling mechanic, but I can try to dodge it when I can. That's what I like about you, Law. You're very, you're very sensitive to people's uh, feelings. I, I'd sure try. Yeah. As long as you make me aware of them, I will be sensitive to them. <laughs> That's totally great. Okay. Uh, what do you got? Uh, one more question from our good friend in Canada. It's a very short and simple question, which is a great follow-up to what we just said. Reginald's voice. It's a modulator, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, That's my favorite. I, I wish every listener was in the room for that one moment because my eyes went big, yeah. my mouth dropped, and everyone else at the table had the same reaction. Yeah, the, the first... That, is happening let's let law do his thing and then i'll add what you just said after that no totally uh if it is i am so thorough if it isn't i'm so thoroughly impressed there's so much good voice work that i could gab about every character but reginald's throw me for a loop every time trying to figure out how you pitch it that way mm-hmm. so nope that's just a voice that i do and have done since i was a lad the robot voice do it for us here it's very simple i just kind of condensed the throat muzzles and speak in a tone that I have from listening to Microsoft Sam for many years <laughs> saying words like Jimmy Changa or I like to touch pods. <laughs> <laughs> and just to give you guys a heads up, so there are only a few moments of modulation that I'll use. Every once in a while I might, um, like for example when we do the grand proving, uh, mm-hmm. I modify Kip's voice over the intercom to make it sound like it's a little distant mm-hmm. or um, when, when, it, when it makes sense I might add some reverb or something like that but it's super 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 rare like I've done it maybe three times there's only one other voice that I modify and that is Storm and that is usually because I can't get my voice all together that deep or if I can I tend to have this really bad habit of fucking it up halfway through the sentence and then going back to my normal pitch and so I end up having to go in and edit that and I had a friend who also asked like um, it's weird that you guys I mean I love that we don't do like any sound editing I think Mm -hmm. that's great we're not going to add like music or sword clangs and stuff like that because it's just 
you know, it's a D&D game. Mm. But someone asked me, like, how come the one thing that we did was add animal noises? <laughs> and I was like, no, uh, I'm just, I guess, weirdly good at making animal noises. Oh, yeah. Every, every Morty sound you hear is Law snuffling into his mic, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. the owl bear noise was phenomenal as well. Yeah. I remember that. I just like to make critter noises. It makes it's, sense to me. It's kind of too good. Or the, or the, uh, the lasher cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, we, we, we try not to add anything. I think we added like applause sounds during the brand proving to the background of like a Kip and Storm. We kind of take liberties with Yeah, Kip and Storm is between the sessions. Like that's not mm-hmm. us playing D&D. That's us fleshing out the story. Um, so we can take a little bit of liberties with, you know, ambient noises and stuff because it's really just the, the the bread of the sandwich. In the flashback to Haruthax talking to their patron, my patron's voice was modulated with a little echo. Wasn't Only it? to mm-hmm. make it easier for me because I can definitely pitch myself that low. Right. Yeah, I've but, heard you pitch low before, but I was thinking. It I did add little... some echo because we were in a cave and I wanted it to sound very okay. dream state. But yeah, that one definitely had some reverb modified. Yeah, law can go very low. I've noticed when we play, but which leads me actually to another thing: uh, the question of are we scripted? Uh, oh, we yeah. had a lot. That so, was the best compliment I've ever gotten on the show. Really? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so first off, we do script Kip and Storm. That is that is deliberate. Uh, we want them to sound like they're reading from a teleprompter or like they're just kind of they have this these established personas, and it gives us a little bit of control over the direction of the overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's going on, and I honestly don't even usually read the scripts until the day Law has me record Storm with him. And I know going into it, like I write an idea, and then we just kind of improvise on the spot. It's like mm-hmm. okay we're about to record this section how would they sound what jokes are they going to make yeah. and so there's a lot of improv involved in their recording because we are yeah, the characters definitely but there's definitely an idea because it's like we find out what happens in the episode they will comment on it we decide on the spot how they comment on it as for normal play though nobody here is scripted at all in even the slightest way unless they specifically wrote something down they wanted to say before the only exception is that if somebody delivers a line that's really good and it just sounds terrible I might ask them to give it to me again so that it doesn't so that we can keep it I was gonna say law usually doesn't even have notes the only time so far that i've seen him with notes was during the grand proving he was having to keep score right Mm -hmm. but otherwise laws pretty much you know got an idea in his head and running on the fly yeah i just have like people's names listed down so i don't forget them and of course my maps and sometimes a chart for criticals and fumbles and tracking hit points but i don't have any dialogue or anything written down i just kind of what would sound good on the note of the grand proving i have another question from garrett yates Mm. um is there a season? Is there a clear season ending and beginning time in the League of Ultimate Questing? How does it? How is it defined? And when will we, as a group, see that? Ah, well, that's a great question because one of the best things about our current method of storytelling is the actual, like, in stone mechanics of the LUQ are still slightly nebulous, so they can evolve to match the story pacing. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, there is basically each year there is a new season of the league of ultimate questing which is either teams renewing their ranking or new teams joining in the league of ultimate questing uh, which takes place at the beginning of summer and in my world there's no months there are just four seasons um each one divided by a gray period known as the dead moon and each uh, season is dictated by the color of the moon for that season so you'll see people say in timelines like well it took a whole season and the seasons don't always last the same amount of time like summer can be anywhere from you know 60 days to 140 days like it's it's somewhat nebulous interesting um 
On the topic of, of LUQ seasons, though, does is the LUQ year round or is there like an off season? Like most sports will have like playoffs and then an off season for a couple months mm-hmm. before it starts up again. So usually the, the it would be the end of spring is kind of like a half season of downtime. Okay. Like that for renewing things, rebuilding, grand proving grounds. And but I mean, it could change every year based on how many new teams there are when that takes place or if it exists at all. And long term, I know we talked about the idea of creating a very ironclad rule set for League of Ultimate Questing mm-hmm. so that we could have future teams play in it. Sure. And like there are rules for like how to pass the grand proving. Like there was actually a system in place for what score they received based on what they did each turn. It wasn't very complicated, but it was trackable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can't get too bogged down in a lot of the in stone stuff if you want to tell a good story. And if I ever like accidentally give a date wrong or something, I'm sure if we ever catch on huge, then people will call me on that. And I accept that fault, but I'm not perfect. And I'm just I want to tell the story that's in my head. And sometimes that doesn't match what I accidentally said on the fly. I've got one last question from Alan, um, and it's another pretty straightforward one, is schedule. Uh, This is one of my biggest ones. With people being actors and people having jobs, projects like this are a huge time investment and a labor of love for everyone involved. So far, our best schedule has been set aside one day a month, try to do four or five hours of stuff, and then we try to cut that into episodes. I don't know how often you guys play, but I'm very interested. So basically, whenever we're doing any kind of recording, we usually sit down for kind of kind of similar to what you're talking about. We sit down for four to five. Well, actually, it usually ends up being closer to like seven or eight hours. Um, we record about five, six hours of actual audio that ends up being between four and five episodes of chapters, basically. And that's how we get that's how we get our chapter definitions is by making sure that each sit down is one chapter wherever possible. Mm-hmm. There's been very few times where we've had to cross over by one episode or whatever, uh, because it kind of gives us that same in room you know energy of this is what's happening in the chapter and then we're done with it and yeah once a month then me and zach will kind of desperately get together whenever we can to record <laughs> things like kip and storm yeah. or other projects that we might be working on um so we're very much uh traveling in trying to find time to do those other ones but sure. for the the actual players like the people who are gonna have to invest their time for this long thing yeah, once a month. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that we made sure of when we first like kind of started recruiting people is we pulled them aside and we as we made the offer, we were like, do you think you can do this consistently? Mm-hmm. I need to know that if we give you enough time to plan it, that you will make it. And everybody has been so good. Like, I think the only time we missed anything was early on and it was because of just something we couldn't control. I think Law had like really super nasty throat lurgy and just yeah, couldn't yeah. do the voices. I had strep throat. Yeah. So it was it was real bad. But, you know, barring emergency situations, which usually we actually have backup plan for, like, if we need to, we can do a weekend or we can move it to another day. But, yeah, everyone's been so good about showing up and everything. Mm -hmm. I think on that note, just like keeping communications key, like we all Mm -hmm. have, you know, our you know phone numbers we have discord we have a whole bunch of avenues and so if you're having trouble that's what i would recommend we will also be making our discord public soon we'll have channels for the fans to interact with us the slapdashers which will be very exciting What's what are we called? Are we, so the slash dashing? Uh, <laughs> the slash dash, dash, dash slappers. We just call them the slappers. Yes, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> the, the slappy D's. The slappy D's. Submit your suggestions for what you should be called to <laughs> slap the, the dash, dash on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. please, please hashtag us uh, slap the dash uh, or hashtag luq anything. Just tag us on Twitter all the time. Can you guys just? Can you like, uh, I mean, come on. Can you, can you talk to us? Like, <laughs> I'm just for one second. Think about someone else. <laughs> it's-
It's late at night and you're all alone. Do you need a support companion? Has the music of your heart gone mute? Call 1-900-SEX-BAR. Sex bar. Our tantalizing troubadours and mesmerizing minstrels will give your love life inspiration. Sex bar. We'll serenade you, read you poetry, and roll seduction check after seduction check. Sex bar. All our bards are just like their charisma scores. 18 and over. Sex bard. 1-900-SEX-BARD. We'll hit on literally anyone. Sex bard. Lucky for you, it's time for my break. All this torturing can work up quite an appetite. But with my busy schedule, I don't have time for regular shopping or meal prep. That's why I'm glad I use Factor. Fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals ready in two minutes and delivered straight to my door. 35 weekly options and over 60 add-ons to keep things interesting. You, you're a thin one. You'd probably like their calorie smart options. Me, I'm building muscle, so I love their protein plus options. <laughs> yes, you're right. The scheduling flexibility is amazing if I want to change for as much or as little as I need week to week. It's fast premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> of course I have a deal for you. Head to factormeals.com slash theleague50 and use code theleague50 to get 50% off. That's code theleague50 at factormeals.com slash theleague50 to get 50% off. A deal that can't be beat. And speaking of being beaten, it's time to get back to work. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
Hey there, Tasty Babies, Law here. No ad this week, but I just wanted to take a minute to thank you all for listening to the League of Ultimate Questing, and we hope you're enjoying this week's LUQ&A, and hope we can do more in the future. Uh, we know there's a lot of D&D podcasts out there, but we're really glad that you're choosing ours right at this very moment, and we hope you tell your friends too, because we'd love to keep doing this and be able to produce this content for you guys all the time. And a quick shout out to some of the people who've been interacting with us on social media as of late. Uh, there's Chris Fougere, which I hope I am pronouncing properly, I'm pretty sure that's French. Uh, John Hunt, uh, Alan Reynolds, and of course the Danes, who make up a wonderfully curious percentage of our listeners. And everyone else out there, please stay in touch. We love to hear from you. Since we started a new website for our content, there's been a couple of issues with Google Play and Spotify updating, but we've done everything we can on our end, and we hope the issues are resolved as soon as possible. In the meantime, you can always download and listen to new episodes right on the website, theluq.com. We're launching a new project this week called D20 Questions, where me and Zach interview special guests in the gaming community and make total asses of ourselves talking about game theory and the things that annoy us. Our Patreon's going live soon, so keep an eye out for that, and if you haven't hopped on our one-year anniversary for slapdash contest is on twitter so you got to get over there like share and tweet it once you follow us and you could be entered to win a hundred dollars worth of awesome gaming loot like five handmade luq stone coasters from gaming gear a magnetic dice jail and wooden condition tractors from ida woodworks and a beautiful set of dark silver and red metal dice which i have personally imbued with some mystical dm luck crunchy sweet new episodes of the luq come out every monday and bonus content every friday on social media it's been an exciting year and we're so glad that you're along for the ride. Now let's get back to the episode. Dungeons can be delved and monsters slain, but what about the last great adventure? Hi, I'm Stormclad Thundertongue. There comes a day in every hero's life when they stop and ask themselves how long they can go on. How long before they are felled by the greatest enemy of all, time. We can't all die gloriously on the battlefield, but for those who lived, there's legendary acres. I knew happily ever after was too good to be true. The townsfolk could only hear the one about the terrace and the Darren's instant fortress so many times before they just tuned it out. I wasn't about to be some wrinkly old has-been, boring the ears off of youngins. So I took my untold riches and checked into legendary acres. Don't wait for some young punk to get lucky, making a name for himself as the villain who slew the Herald of the Unblinking Eye. Legendary Acres exclusively employs prospective and recovering heroes. Young men and women will happily soak up decades or centuries of wisdom and experience. These boys have never heard the exploits of the Marigold Mistress. <laughs> they blush like young ladies. For those with a little fight left in them, we offer the Twilight Gauntlet Package with custom dungeons, special monster encounters during outdoor time, and a relaxed rule set. They never said I couldn't steal from that old paladin's room. If he wants the amulet of the thrice-burned back, he's gonna have to find me first. <laughs> the other night, I grabbed my cloak, and before I knew it, the damn thing had its teeth in my neck. <laughs> A cloaker at my age. I still got it. And for the particularly long-lived, or those who just want peace, the Tranquil Gardens have an endless Arcadian bounty with domesticated fae with just the right amount of mischief. Of course, we keep Fay away in every breathtaking cottage, just in case. I'm 1,090 years old. I just want to be left alone. But at least I'll get to see dozens of these old humans leave through the back door before I check out. <laughs> For some, fading into legend comes when you least expect it. For the rest of us, there's legendary acres.
<laughs> but no, we want to get more followers on Twitter. If we can get 200 by the end of June, I mean, and, and considering Instagram. how huge our listens are, the mm. fact that we've got like 50 Twitter followers, <laughs> right? We like, just we're just not good at it, I guess. So this is this has been kind of a record breaking month so far with with crazy increase in our listeners and in consistency, and it's just it's just kind of weird to see how much we're growing. Um, but honestly, if you guys want us to grow more and if you want us to have more resources and be able to keep doing this, the best thing you can do is reach out on Twitter, share things. Uh, hashtagging is super, super, super useful. And like it, it, it is it is invaluable to have people like using our hashtags and using our at and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, Instagram as well. Yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you don't want to do all that, you just want to look at pretty pictures, be sure to check out our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, Law has done amazing you know, uh, painted miniatures and whatnot. And we post a bunch of stuff there too. Do what mm-hmm. we can. Yeah. Totally. Uh, Dan the Man asks, uh, what is everyone's entertainment background? Oh, well, that's, that's a, good, a good, good question. Who's up first? Me. I'm up first. Yeah. It's me. Uh, yay. <laughs> yay. Um, I, I played D&D a lot for a while. Uh, before this game, there was a huge hiatus, though. I like, I don't know. I think the last game I played was with Zach. When was that? Uh, like d- like four years ago? Oh, five years actually, ago? Actually, no. I, I was tricked into playing a... Sorry, I was tricked into... <laughs> tricked? <laughs> yes. Tricked into playing a... Uh, D and D advance like advanced D and D game with like a bunch of seventy. Why are you people. cringing? It was so bad. <laughs> they were like, "You should try a monk, a female monk," and I was like, "Yeah, I'll do this." <laughs> and it was so unfortunate. I was so weak. I was just like, I don't know. And the other thing is that uh, I'm impatient, and they're like old, and they're you know slow about things. And I was like, "Roll the dice, fight the things." And uh, so <laughs> every time, every time I. Uh, Every time there was some kind of exciting event going on, you know, there's like harpies or something. I would, uh... One second, what? You were talking about harpies? <laughs> um, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So what's your, what's your entertainment background? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, my entertainment Because as much as I want to hear more about the, the geriatric adventures of Samantha and, and, and Dungeons and Dragons, I'm really more curious about how you... <laughs> yeah, so my actual entertainment background, um, I haven't... I haven't done much in a in a, in quite a while on that too. I think the last thing I was uh, was like high school. Um, you were in a band. Oh, like does that count? a couple of years ago. Like okay, if that counts as entertainment, I was a backup singer for a backup slash. Um, you know when you're you're like singing for real, but it's not really real. Like there's a guy who's more important than you. Whatever that's mm. called. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you weren't the headliner. I, I was think, not the headliner. I think okay. whether it counts as entertainment or not depends on how good the band was. Right. Uh, we, you know, we got to play at like Saturday Market and some pubs. They only paid Ooh. us in drinks most of the time. Sometimes I'd get like forty bucks my way. It counts. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> Bit. Yeah, that's the that's even if, the by popular demand feature that bards yeah. have. Even if you're just busking, you're still you're still doing performance. All like. right, cool. It was a it was like a funk band, nice. and they were like, Whoa. "We want you to sound like Janis Joplin." And I was like, uh, "All right, cool." Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. Um, hold on, let me let me go fuck my throat into oblivion. <laughs> I did smoke a lot. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, that was me. Michael? Uh, I was in theater in middle and high school, uh, but I stopped doing theater about midway through high school because the director and I didn't get along great. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said I I had no emotion in my voice and I disagreed uh, and it was it was it got kind of ugly and I was was like, all right, I'm done with this nonsense. Um, I had a very brief foray on Twitch where I was streaming and then I moved somewhere that my internet could not hack it and then I got married and or had a girlfriend and then got married. 
not the other way around. Uh, I got married and then we started dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and so I, I just kind of lost the time for that. But I've been playing D&D for a long time and DMing for, for quite a while as well. So I'm used to uh, that kind of, of style of entertaining as well. Sure. Alante? Um, uh, I feel weird because I'm of the vein of like, y- you name it, I've tried it a little bit. Uh, I was like... I w- Are we talking about theater? Burlesque. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That, just all. theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I've done a bunch of different things. I've done theater. Uh, I was in a band for a bit. I've done uh, singing. I've done burlesque. Uh, I've even, good. like... Is that on film? Uh, I do have videos, yes. Uh, <laughs> that will be one of our Patreon. I was going to say, yeah, when, we, when, we, say when we launch what? the Patreon. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I guess this is happening. Or maybe <laughs> Discord. We could put there it on go. Discord, maybe. Yeah. I, and, uh, you know, I've also done weird cool forays in, like, the modding world. So my voice mm. is out there in the, the original Dragon Age in a mod. Ooh. So, awesome. yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think I actually probably have the least experience here. I did a couple of stage plays in like middle school and high school and then D&D. And that's like basically it. Well, your YouTube channel. Uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, but that doesn't really count. That's basically the same as this project (laughs) for all intents and purposes. Also, I think your life tends to look like a performance. I'm always like, did he rehearse that? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you I've, sure you're not just always in a character? Somewhere? I've been told that I am an extraordinarily theatrical person, yes. which, which translates apparently pretty well into podcasting. If I, if I may blow myself for a second here, which is. Um, and also, I did do uh, some stage performance at, at the Rocky Horror Picture Show, as Law mentioned earlier, where we met. Um, and I was, I was the criminologist because I had very little. Uh, coordination for like dance moves and stuff i thought you were gonna say neck (laughs) (laughs) i had so little neck um anyway anyway uh moving on and law what's your what's your uh there's a list Um, there's a list i mean obviously starting DD when i was just a babe um but since then you're still a babe law oh thank you blush (laughs) what was i talking about no (laughs) Uh, I mean, I started performing in like orchestra and stuff throughout middle school in choir. In high school, I got an academic letter in choir. Um, I had four or five years of theater. Uh, My senior year was mostly spent working in Photoshop and directing plays for my local theater. Um, They still do an annual performance of the script I wrote for a high school stage version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, shit. Um, They still use all the costumes and shit I made because my senior year was very not productive academically, but very productive entertainment wise. (laughs) Like most senior your years are honestly tends to be, yeah um i was a radio dj for a few years i have a lot of music background um i used to host karaoke and i was also in the rocky horror picture show for 10 years and while usually that doesn't translate much into vocal performance i was the host of the show so i was literally yelling into a mic every saturday night and entertaining as many people as i could mm-hmm. um there were a few in the back who weren't paying attention oh the, con- <laughs> the cast they yeah, called the, the cast, cast. <laughs> um but yeah uh, other than that just you know writing i have my published module and i've been fucking around with writing stories you know since i was old enough to learn keyboard stuff nice so here's a question for you Mm -hmm. what kind of tools do you have behind the screen and what kind of equipment do you use uh i don't use a screen okay um i like to roll in front of people uh i have a dice tray which is completely optional i like it because it makes my dice not go flying while we're recording and i have a notebook um each game i have about two or three eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper and in that notebook is just a collection of things like maps for my world and some notes on regions that I might need to pull up in case I forget something. But there is one set of tools that law always has, is always detailedly prepared, and 
he is inundated with. Uh, I have a lot of miniatures, and <laughs> way to say that with as little fanfare as possible. <laughs> I have a documentably concerning number of miniatures, perhaps. <laughs> Um, no, it's actually not. I know people who are much worse, but I do have a fairly robust collection. I got obsessed with collecting when I was probably with my first job at like 15. Um, and I started playing Warhammer and other games. That was my first like collection of miniatures. I was already playing D&D, but like actually stockpiling them. And since then, I most of those armies are like somewhere in Montana in the basement. Um, <laughs> but I still have some. I used to, I specifically played Undead and Vampires and Dark Elf so I could use my Warhammer armies in my D&D games. Nah, that's awesome. That's smart. Um, but I just collect a lot. Uh, I like getting into terrain. I do more of that lately. I've been trying to find cool things on like Etsy, like cool dungeon stuff. I used to craft my own, but I just do not have time for that or a good workspace. Um, but yeah, love my minis. And you can see all the photos on our website. Yeah, every every orcs 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 before the uh, before mm, yeah. the game starts, everybody always messages Law to to get loaners from his miniature library of Hey Law, do you have a da, 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 da. and I love doing it. It's like if I've been investing in this since I was a kid, other people getting to use it makes the investment so much more valuable. We should yeah. get a picture of your miniature library at some point. The shelf and the just yeah, it's all boxed up now you know, oh. for organ. I mean, it's still on the shelf. It's just oh, okay. I have them in totes. There was a plans mm. of perhaps getting a cat one day, and uh, ah. that's not good for I mean, a shelf full of tiny fragile. Things. Not so much. You know, when my wife has the baby, it's going to be very hazardous. Mm. <laughs> they love to get up on those upper shelves. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking dice and minis and everything all over the house. I'm going to have to be very careful. Um, so this question is from Dave Mlodnoff. I hope I got that right. Mlodnoff. <laughs> Who's it? Who? Law and I know from Orcs. Oh, yeah. Oh. Great, great guy. There you go. Big fan. Uh, this is a question for the future Q&A episode. That's us. Hey. That's what we're doing right now. That's the current Wait, day the one. Future. The multi-part oh. question is for Philip from the Oilstone Market in Turilli. It is asked by a fan, uh, an LUQ fan living in uh, Lyonne, who has been uh, following the Mortal Dawn's exploits. Oh, well, now I've got to do a voice. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. If you want, I, if you, for, I for Dave, if you like. to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Philip, now that the Mortal Dawn has rescued you from being horribly mutated, are you considering a career as an adventurer? Uh, maybe one day the Grand Proving and, 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 or maybe one day facing the Grand Proving and joining the League like your saviors. Hey, if not, uh, what are your career goals? Perhaps academia? Uh, P.S. I hope that your friends are feeling better. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's Shut actually up. a pretty good Dave voice. No, I'm just no it's, it's really not. Oh, beans, cheese, uh, and jeepers. Why is everybody always asking me about my ding-dong future? <laughs> I'm just a kid trying to work a regular nine-to-five. <sighs> no, I'm not going to join a stupid League of Ultimate questing ding-dongs. I don't want to get bonked by monsters all day. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. What am I going to do for it? I'm going to find some rich old bird who wants to smooch all the time, and when she kicks the bucket, I'm going to be loaded. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, my Shout out so to my friend Kyle, who can't stand Philip's voice and was so excited to be done with Philip. Hey, Kyle, hey Kyle you peek your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> you ever come to Trilly, I'll give you a kick right in the egg bag. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> that is uh, beautiful. Okay, so I think this is a good opportunity for us to go around the table and see if any of us have questions for each other or for law about the world and etc. And I have the right to refuse to answer if it will spoil any story stuff. I mean, that seems fair. So I have a general question to the team. Way to just put yourself in front of everybody else, Alante. He's the face. You're welcome. Yeah, you're uh- <laughs> and alphabetically, he is first. Uh, yeah, I am. Wait. 
Yeah, because we, we, we do everything real okay. name. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, yes, so I am curious about how each of us are very similar or very different to our characters. Like, where's the overlap and where's the, like, part that we struggle with with each of us? Are we still going alphabetical? Yeah, let's, no, let's go. <laughs> Sam, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah Sam. Uh, yeah, so I'm definitely similar to Arvid in that I have a, a constant need for approval and <laughs> wow horny for honor I'm so horny for honor and i need to touch everyone all the time and <laughs> um and i think i think mostly just that i'm incredibly strong and i could probably beat your dad up that's true we it's should actually true. speaking of speaking of touching things we should post a picture at some point of, of sam's fidget items <laughs> every every game she brings a new squishy thing to play with sure um I honestly don't know what I have in common with the half alligator dragonborn medicine witch person. That's not, that's not me. I, I may have honestly, I may have picked a character that is as different from me as I could um, just to kind of explore things that I will probably never experience in my actual life. Who is yeah. your patron in real life? <laughs> I don't have one. I'm way too broke to have a patron. <laughs> that's the best time to get a patron. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, uh, if anybody is looking for people to sponsor, or anything, <laughs> anything yeah. is looking for. If you're looking yeah, for sure. a fresh soul, yeah, <laughs> and you have wealth and power to trade. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you, Alanta? So, how Chris and I are similar is that uh, we both have had traumatic stuff that we uh, deal with. And, and that's part of what I love about this character is exploring that a bit more. Uh, and the places that we differ is that I find Chris to be kind of more even, even overall in terms of mood and emotion and whatever versus me in real life where I can be all over the place or blah, blah, blah. Even in my voice, you'll hear it like every, what, four syllable we discovered? Like I just go, huh? So things like that. <laughs> um, well... Uh, I don't really... I, this might actually be a better question for you, Samantha. In what ways am I similar to Artyom? Oh, boy. Ooh. Oh, gosh. You definitely um, you definitely don't take direction well from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <Fuck>. Okay. <laughs> Pull no punches. Maybe I should cut that out. <laughs> do not. Do not. It's a good thing about you, and it's probably a good thing about Artyom. We sometimes get caught in... Uh, you know, in like uh, analysis paralysis situations, uh -huh. and then RTM's just like, "Do it, fuck." Um. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm frequently just saying, "Do it, fuck." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I don't know. No, you you just you got a you know got a thing. You got a thing. You're like, bam. I'd say, we're, I'd say we're both pretty impulsive. Impulsive. Um, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, I tend to I tend to take do what I want based off of what I think is the best choice course of action and. I think one thing that we definitely share in common is that uh, we both think that our way is the best way. Oh, um, yeah. And even if it is, that is not something everybody else <laughs> wants or agrees with. <laughs> but correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you in real life are, is a bit more like empirical. Like you, you've already like have the data and all that. Like when you make your choice versus Artyom's, uh, I'm I'm not sure if I get get that sense from him. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Artyom just he 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 just goes with what it makes sense like he's in that moment he's like this makes sense right now and i'm going to do this right now mm -hmm. um one thing that i am not is uh decisive i tend to be a little indecisive unless i'm directing people uh so in my personal choices i tend to be a pretty pretty inconsistent and uh, just kind of wishy-washy law do you have anything yes. in common with your characters yeah, like i was specifically gonna say i can't really answer this question because i have an infinite number of characters at any given time what, what, about, what about maven 
the closest one to uh, sure. the team. Is there, um, yeah, do you have a self-insert character in the show? Uh, I guess, yeah, I mean, Maven is kind of my voice on the team, I suppose. Either that or Reginald or Morty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll just go with all three. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Uh, I guess the ways I relate to Morty are that I am large. <laughs> uh, I like pets and just snuggles. Um, sure. Reginald. Um, I like to show up unexpectedly and answer questions. <laughs> uh, and Maven, I like to see that people that I am involved with are successful. Hmm. Aww, that's really beautiful. How are ways in which your your personality manifests in our, in your jamming? Um, I like to be very... I, I want people to fill in the gaps of the story mm-hmm. um, i want them to put something in my mind that instantly becomes canon because they like the idea of how it sounds i like that um yeah i i thrive and and thirst for other people's flavors that they want to incorporate with their character as long as they don't break like the game or things the way they're built like i am very encouraging of that stuff nice yeah what, what about like the where the where are your boundaries where are when you say like no to something like what what are those I, I mean, because we're going to be listened to by a lot of people, there is a degree of accuracy to the rules I want to maintain, mm-hmm. um, especially like turn-based things or action economy, things like that, because changing any of that will very quickly break the mechanics. 5, 5e, while it does have a lot of guidelines, is very fine-tuned. Mm-hmm. There's a very clear reason for all the reasons you can or can't do that, because if you change it, it does dramatically change a lot of things. Um, and it might not feel that way in your head but in practice it, it'll probably come out mm-hmm. um, so i just like to be careful with it little things not a big deal like deciding that you might need to roll for something because i want to narratively know how well you do at it not necessarily there is a large degree of failure but if you really kill it that's part of the story that becomes some success that you have done on the team on the camera mm. and i want to i want to sell that so does anybody else have any questions for the other players yeah okay give it to me um give, give it to me the, oh god <laughs> this is a thirsty episode. <laughs> it's a hot day. It's Wednesday. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, the, where where are you all from, and where have you been besides where you're from and where we are now? Gotcha. I guess I'll start this time since you know we've kind of been starting with Sam a lot. Um, and, oh God, I just my brain just immediately wanted to run with Camelot somehow, and I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> I have I have this Bamalot song no. stuck in my head now. We're not doing that. I'm, um, not, I'm not singing it, but it's okay. there. <laughs> just, I'm putting the kibosh on that as fast as I can. Um, so the funny thing about Artem is he literally was a slave, and then he got out. And all he did was go, Drogandrav, surface world, join the league. That's it. His whole life has been adventuring or living underground. We started off in Leon. Leona, Leona yeah. In, Leona. The, in the village, the port city of Lucinilli. Uh, very similar, actually, to uh, Artyom. Haruthax grew up in a swamp in, yeah, in a swamp in Danmir and was kind of driven out by a, an unfortunate incident, which led to them contact or their patron contacting them uh, and headed to Lucinilli to sign up for the league in a bid to uh, acquire more power, basically. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And and Haruthax's people um, are from a, a almost traveling city in the north. A particular clan of Black Dragonborn were they they were nomads in that they left to claim their own land. Of course, because the desert is not great for the swampy Dragonborn, so they kind of went off and found their own little patch of land. 
a long time. Yes. So uh, Christ uh, was born in Alcara and was uh, given up to House Cubis, which is actually, oddly enough, one of the better fates of people born there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going from there, he uh, was kind of, um, let's just say sold to uh, to. Uh, you will find out someday <laughs> and ended up in uh, Dan Mir in the city of Andesign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has done a lot of traveling since then, seeing the world, learning people, learning his ways. So have you been everywhere? Uh, I f- not everywhere. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of places that uh, don't, that are very first, not fond of Alcara. Mm. Uh, and then definitely not fond of, uh, Christ or people of a magical nature or what have you. So he he's kind of hyper aware of his surroundings in that way. All very accurate. And also, none of you have been to Kamaris, though. I will say that. What about you, yeah. Arvid? Um, Arvid, born in Dornheim, um, in mountainous region, uh, number five. I'm not sure actually. Uh, anyway, and probably spent most of his time there until he uh, had to leave his tribe and then went straight to uh leona to try to join a team any team found you guys yeah. <laughs> best friends besties <laughs> so. co-workers <laughs> that's the closest thing i have to friends it's <laughs> <laughs> too real that's so <laughs> well you've got morty now so that's right morty all right any other questions for the players so I'm curious how, for the other players, how your character's background uh, influences the way that you interact with the world and the league itself. Let's start with Alante. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, when it comes to, you know, day-to-day or people and sometimes uh, his own group, uh, I hate to say, he, he's definitely guarded uh, and often waits and looks and... Uh, waits for like either like uh, uh, an opening or, or something like that it, uh, instead of going out like much of his other fellow members he likes to stay and watch and then act uh, and how that works with the LEQ is uh, it's kind of like a growth thing for him uh, and also a, a means to an end mm-hmm. Sam? Um, well being rejected from my tribe but having lived all of my life there previously I'm definitely, um, you know, very, very much a soul searching, like I'm going out to find myself. I'll travel the world. Uh, Arvid is, that is not me. That's how Arvid sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Flawless Arvid. (laughs) Um, so yeah, looking for a new like family clan situation and then also just like aghast at all of the differences in the world that you know going into a big city after living in the mountains my whole dang life mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty intense yeah well without uh i mean mostly being a slave but also being a drav specifically they have this very well i mean most of the time when you're dealing with drav they're extremely deceitful and and vile kind of people and so in general he doesn't trust anybody the idea that if any word got out for any any infraction you could just be beaten in public to death and that was it so it's kind of like he just doesn't trust anyone except family and the idea of accepting foreigners or strangers or people who aren't his actual birth family as anything except co-workers just seems absurd to him and so every person is inferior or obnoxious or 
a threat. Mm. Dark. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's actually a, a strong parallel between Artyom and Haruthax, which it, it entertains me that our backgrounds are, are very different, but our characters end up being very similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Haruthax grew up very, very sheltered. Um, the only interactions that they had was basically with their parents who were very old when they had them. Uh, and then people from neighboring villages who would come consult Haruthax as a medicine person. And then eventually, kind of like people did, decided Haruthax was a witch and drove them out of their home. Uh, so the only people Haruthax really ever trusted eventually turned on them and drove them out. And as a result, Haruthax is, is kind of reserved and guarded because until they decide, like with you guys, that you're basically family, they don't know if they can trust you and they don't want to be driven off again like that. Mm. Insightful. Yeah. Uh, mine's really silly, but I, I want to know what everyone's character wanted to be when they grew up. That's okay. cute. I love <laughs> it. Uh, Sam? Um, uh, I wanted to follow in my uh, mother's footsteps and be leader of the clan, but I definitely am not going to have that dream come true. Uh, Haruthax, because of the way that they grew up being so sheltered, never really got over that sort of childhood dream. Haruthax definitely wanted to be a dragon when they grew up, mm. like a real <laughs> dragon. Uh, Chris uh, kind of wanted to be like a kind of a class clown type of thing, but looking out, he saw a lot of suffering out there. So when he grew up, when he grows up, he wants to somehow heal that. Uh, growing up, actually, Artyom wanted to be a woman. Uh, frequently, there would be, uh, you know, delegates and and you know, diplomatic entities coming from the other hives, where they weren't necessarily, where everybody was uh, matriarchal. And so, when he would see these really elegant and powerful women that everybody would bow to and obey and listen to, the the, the idea that he could have that kind of control, that kind of authority, got him very excited. And that was what he wanted to be. And then when he grew up and he did some research about the nature of bodies and things like that, and he understood more about them, he actually became obsessed with anatomy and 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 whatnot. And that's actually how he became a doctor and got into medicine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, So I think for a nice wrap up, we can kind of do a quick chapter synopsis to get people caught up and so they can see what's happened thus far in the story. Sure. So we're going to break this down by chapter so that you guys have a have a clear moment of breaking. If you haven't gotten there yet, Uh, if you're not interested in this, feel free to just cut out. There probably won't be that much interesting stuff going on after this point. Uh, But if you haven't listened before, this is a great way to catch up to where we are. I figure we're going to end this at the end of the most recent chapter, which at the time of recording was chapter four. I'm a dwarven shield maiden of Remitex. I live to slay my foes and defend the Onyx Citadel. I shed the blood of orcs and goblins by the buckets on the battlefield. But sometimes the moon goddess shines her light on me and it becomes my time to bleed. Heavy combat, heavy armor, heavy floor. That's when I reach for Clan Pax Mithril. Twice the absorption, twice the durability. Clan Pax Mithril. Leave the bloodshed to your enemies. So, chapter one is the Mortal Dawn meeting for the first time before they even got that title. Um, each of them being from different corners of the Five Kingdoms, merged in the port city of Lucinilli because that is where the sign-up for the new season of the League of Ultimate Questing was being, questing was being held. 
Uh, they did a series of jobs for different people who could be potential patrons or funding backers for their um, franchise of, of questing. Uh, a lot of those were intertwined and had some political intrigue tied in with them. They solved some puzzles and they realized along the way that someone was kind of one step ahead of them, kind of almost putting a piece in the puzzle before they got there. Um, and when this chapter ended, they met a very strange fellow named Maven, who had kind of uh, put all of the quests together in a neat little package to drop in their lap and presented them an offer of becoming their new patron, showing as a test to himself that he had done all of this research and had put all this work together to prove his value and his ability to you know, connect the dots in social situations. Um, and that is where we ended chapter one. Uh, for chapter two, it began with a battle on the deck of the ship, which was one of the quests that they were searching for, was this missing ship. Um, the, a group of rogues that they had angered in their earlier quests tried to assassinate them, and they learned that Maven was what is called a false facer and can kind of transform his shape. Uh, they were given a very shitty apartment above a fish refinery, which was kind of their base of operations. Uh, and they engaged in getting new gear based on the money they had made from their previous quests, and they tried to take the uh, Grand Proving, which was a series of tests they must take in order to actually join the League of Ultimate Questing. Um, they did very well. Their final score was over 90, um, and they became one of the new members of the team, and that's most of Chapter 2, is them taking the Grand Proving and becoming an actual official team. And that is where they got their team name, The Mortal Dawn. Uh, chapter 3 began with them getting their very first League quest. They were sent to the village of Turilli in southern Leone to solve a problem that some of the local villagers had become mutated, specifically some, some teens and youth. Um, as they went to investigate, they realized that there was a little bit of underground drug activity happening and the teens were involved, and the side effect thereof was this new form of mutation that was starting to cause them great harm. Um, they had some fun intrigue with some of the locals. They solved some riddles from a very strange elf. Um, and they found a old alchemist's lab out on a lake, which was the base of operations for these illegal drug dealers. And they resolved it and brought the man to justice uh, by death. In Chapter 4, the Mortal Dawn got their second big quest, in which they were to escort a wagon full of meat to the Alcaran nobles who were suffering with a bit of a food shortage. Um, in doing so, they encountered some bandits in the Breathless Sands who wanted to steal their cargo, and during the battle, the entire field was consumed by a massive gargantuan beast of unfathomable size. Um, they awoken inside the beast and navigated their way through his entrails and the bits inside of him, uh, very dungeon-like, to a society known as the Village of Craw, where there's an actual thriving humanoid uh, culture living inside of this beast, worshipping it as a god. Uh, they were given a very difficult ultimatum at one point during a ritual, uh, in which they were to either stay forever and become servants of the Great Maw, or become sacrifices to the Great Maw in his strength. Um, they chose the latter being, well then, uh, they chose to fight for their lives and escape. Um, they made their way out via means of a very ancient magical portal, which has been existing in the Maw since the early days of the People of Kra, which is the dark secret of the High Metabolist, that there has been an exit all this time. And as they jumped through the portal, we begin the next chapter. Um, at the beginning of chapter five, 
the party is traveling through a great distance of time and space and through themselves. And when they emerge, they awaken inside the walls of an ancient mine uh, led by a clan of Sferf Neblin. Um, they emerge with some physical changes, having woken up parts of them in this strange nexus of magical ley lines that they traveled through. Artyom, uh, having a vision of the sun, burned his forearms and gained the ability to somewhat absorb radiant energy and use it to power his own uh, sun-based spells. Um, Christ fused with some of the residuum, which is a magical element natural in some of these crossing ley lines, which is what these Firth Neblin harvested and mined for the Dark Elves. Um, in absorbing it, uh, he gained a kind of sheen of crystalline energy to his skin, which will protect him from harm. Uh, Herothax had visions of their homeland, the, the origin of the Dragonborn, this horrible overrun jungle filled with terrible beasts. And in this act of survival, um, in escaping it, they learned to heighten their own survivability and gain more hit points, basically. <laughs> Um, and Arvid found a vision of his new totem, um, the first encounter with the sacred ram of the mountain. Uh, in a chance to prove themselves, Arvid engaged with the ram in a headbutting contest, and as a result, grew a big old pair of ram's horns that are present at all times. Um, they met the Swerf Neblin, uh, were led to their leader, and made a pact to uh, defeat some beasts that had been hunting their people in exchange for a quick exit to the Underdark, as they were very difficult to navigate. Um, they did very well in this encounter, and as they fled, they re-encountered Reginald 419, who was their uh, personal camera that's been following them around this whole time, and exited the Underdark. Uh, the Mortal Dawn battled their way through some of the natural magical defenses of this ancient temple to a forgotten god, fighting reflections of themselves and discovering in the process an ancient machine that was used to measure time in some way. Uh, having to leave this mysterious place, they found themselves in the middle of a chain of islands in the ocean. They journeyed to the nearest one, and they made it to the port city of San Balieres, which is the capital of the Free Isles. Uh, and while there, they engaged in some trade, soaked up some local flavor, and when we left off, um, they were just realizing that they had met some very old friends of theirs. Uh, personal recommendation would be in that if you have not watched any of this and you would like to start over or start with us, I would recommend the beginning of Chapter 5, that is the, uh, the, the end of Cult of the Maw and the beginning of the chapter that we are currently in. I think that's an excellent spot. Uh, we've recapped some of it, but... Uh, the the experience was really fun it's probably some of the best D, &D i've ever played and is overall really really enjoyable also law didn't say it but cult of the maw is a module that he wrote that you can find on drive through rpg yes thank you very so. much that is true and if yeah if you want to listen to it and play it yourself because you liked it all the more reason to check it out it's really goddamn good it is i write adventures and i was very impressed with how good it was i was sad I we had to leave uh, well, thank you for joining us for our very first LUQ&A slash League of Ultimate questions. We hope to do more in the future, assuming how much of you continue to interact with us. You've been great thus far. Um, new episodes go live every Monday. There will be new bonus stuff coming out next month, so stay tuned for that. There's going to be a lot of exciting things happening. And we have bonus content every Friday to help flesh out the world and the game. You can visit us at the LUQ.com or wherever podcasts are available. If you have questions for the show and you want to see more question and answer stuff, please contact admin at slapdash studios, or you can reach out via Twitter. We are slap the dash hashtag LUQNA. 
Um, follow us on all the other social medias as well, including Facebook and Instagram. We are Slap the Dash. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please, please share it with your friends so we can all keep growing and questing together. Um, and if the timing of this release comes to the beginning of July as we have planned, then we will also be launching our second podcast uh, called D20 Questions, where we have a lot of fun answering questions about the theory of D&D with very special guests in the gaming community. Um, we will also be launching our Patreon, which we're all very excited and nervous about. Um, and we will have a public Discord that you can all join to uh, chat with each other, assuming you are members of the Patreon. And we're we look get, forward to interacting with you. We're going to get like uh, $3 and a handshake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, thanks for joining us. And until next time, we, we wish, wish you luck. luck. Oof. <laughs> I liked it. That's so, so hokey. So hokey. Schlocky and dumb. And I love it.